Everyone, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Truly, it is a privilege to be before you this morning. I want to honor our senior pastors, Pastor Benjamin and Sonny Robinson, in their absence. They are away, uh, enjoying some much-needed downtime. How many know pastors need downtime? So we thank them, we honor them for laboring among us so faithfully and really modeling the Father's love to us. So we honor them. Uh, We want to honor all the fathers in the house again. We thank you for the sacrifices. Thank you for all that you do. Truly, uh, you are seen. So fathers, we appreciate you. We honor you this morning. Uh, We thank our online campus as well for joining in on us. Uh, I truly do believe that the Lord has something special for his children this morning. So let's go to him in prayer. Father, I thank you for your presence that is already here. I thank you, God, that you are showing us just how loved, how seen, and how favored we are. I pray that as we open our hearts to hear from you this morning, that you would overshadow us with your love. Lord, there may be some here today that have only had a a taste of your love. They've only had a trinkle of your love. But I pray that today they would be overwhelmed by the love of their Heavenly Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, I do believe that there is a word of the Lord for you this morning. But before I do that, I want you to take a look at your neighbor next to you and say, neighbor, you can't run and you can't hide. Now, ushers, if you would lock the door in the back. I'm just joking. We're not one of those kind of churches. You know, I can remember playing hide and seek with my kids when they were little. And I'm going to tell on them a little bit this morning. Uh, My youngest son, Obi, he's not very good at hide and seek. (laughs) And even to this day, he's still not very good at it. And it's so funny because he would go as far away as he thought, but we would still be able to see him. (laughs) And it's so funny because sometimes I would watch him while he's hiding And I can tell he's smiling, and I can tell to his own mind, he's thinking, man, I'm so good, they'll never find me. (laughs) And you can see him a mile away. Now, my second daughter, Alana, she was a little bit better. But she never went far away. She never went far away. So I always knew that even though I might not see her as soon as I come down, she's close. And I would always find her very easily. Many of us this morning have legitimate desires, and the enemy is trying to convince us that in order to fulfill them, we have to run away or just suppress those desires and hide them, pretend like they're not there. A story in the Bible that I think really illustrates this tension very well is the story of the lost sons. If you would turn to Luke 15. Luke 15. 
the parable of the lost sons. And we'll pick it up from verse 11. When you have it, please say amen. For those that don't have it, I believe we'll put it on the screen. It says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants Oh, where am I? Oh, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I want to stop there for a moment. I do believe that the enemy has spoken to some of us here and made us think that what we've done is who we are. And I believe the Father is here today to break that lie off of you. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice that, but when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
I know that was a lot, but I wanted to read the story again because I think sometimes we get too familiar with the text. You all have heard that story before, right? And you probably, even in your Bible, some of our Bibles, they call it the parable of the lost son. But I believe there's a story for the older son as well. And many of us may even find ourselves in the position of the older son. So when you read this story, which son do you identify most with? Are you like the younger son who wants all the benefits without the work? Or are you like the older son who's very responsible and just does what he's told? However, the perspective of both sons was missing the heart of the matter. They were missing that intimate knowing that their father is good. Because they were missing that, they missed out on all that actually was in their father's heart towards them. So this morning, I believe there's a little bit of the younger son in all of us. And I believe there's a little bit of the older son in all of us. Now, the younger son, he just ran away from his father. He got out of Dodge. But the older son, he stayed, but in his heart, he still hid from his father. The father longed for both of his sons to reign with him. And I believe that's the heart of our father towards us. So we know that the young son, he ran away from the father, but why did he run away? I think he ran away because he believed a lie about his father. The enemy lied to him and convinced him that maybe his father was a nice man, but he wasn't really good. How many can relate to that? The enemy is constantly trying to convince us that God is good, that God isn't good. Turn to Genesis 3. Again, a very familiar text. But I believe God wants to show us something as we look a little deeper into it. Genesis 3 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. From the beginning, the enemy insinuates that God is holding back on us. Then he says that in order to really live your life to the full, you got to do it your own way. You got to run away. How many have heard that? The younger son fell prey to this deception. And some of us, maybe even in our younger years, have fallen prey to that same deception. The enemy will always offer a seemingly quicker counterfeit to the true blessing that the Father longs to give us. I know that the younger son kind of gets a bad rap, but I can actually identify with him a little bit because from his perspective, all he saw was work. All he saw was labor. He didn't see the benefit 
and being in his father's house. Now, a little bit about me. My parents are here. Can you wave my mom and dad? <laughs> Honor you guys. Thank you. My aunt is here. My little sister is here as well. But um, they kind of called us the church furniture. And those who've grown up in church understand what that means. Because every time the service doors were open, we were there. And even the kids, my mom, she always brought us. Every service, Bible study, prayer night, testimony service, we were there. And you know, to be honest, when I looked around, I didn't see a lot of people my age. I didn't see a lot of even people a little bit older than me. You know what I saw? I saw a lot of older Christians. So you know what that made sense in my young mind? When I get older, I'll become a Christian. <laughs> right? That's logical. If you look around, everybody here has lived life already. When I'm, when I'm sitting back there in the back listening to testimony service, Everyone is telling about how when they were younger, what they used to do. How when they were younger, how they almost killed themselves with what they used to do. So you know what I thought? I got time. <laughs> so I understand to a certain degree what the younger son was feeling. Now, thankfully, the Lord saved me well before I got as low as he did. The point I want to make is that your desire for fulfillment is legitimate. However, the enemy will always present an illegitimate way to fulfill that need. If only he would have gone to his father and asked his father what was in his heart towards him, he would have received not only the deep love of his father, but also the resources for the life that he yearned for. What I want to say to you today is don't be afraid to ask the father how he feels about you. My oldest daughter is here. Uh, one thing I love about her is she'll just come up to me and just start hugging me. She won't say a word. She'll just come up and start hugging me. And you know what I learned is that's how I should be to my father. She just comes, and sometimes she won't, even the whole interaction, she won't say a word. But she'll just hug on to me and hold on to me and just receive my love. Have you ever been there with God? Sometimes you don't even have the words. But you just stay there. Just stay in his presence and let him love you. You know, that's his heart towards you. By running away, the younger son... He missed out on all the attributes of the father. When we run away from our father, this is what we miss out on. Real quick, I'm not going to make you turn to these scriptures, but I just want to share some of the attributes of our father, of a good father. The good father protects his children. In Psalm 32, 7, it says, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. We mess out on protection when we run away. God the Father defends his children 
In Jeremiah 51, 36, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am going to plead your case and exact full vengeance for you. Don't you want someone to plead your case? This is what the younger son missed out on. God the Father provides for his children. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Our God is a provider. He takes care of his children. He's not a deadbeat dad. Lastly, God teaches his children. Psalm 94, 12 says, Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. You know, sometimes in order for God to teach us, he has to chastise us. Do you see how tender the love of the Father is? Do you see how even tenacious the Father's love is towards us? We sang that song just a moment again ago, a reckless love. There's a tenacity about God's love towards us. Are you familiar with that? There's a tenacity. God goes after us with his love. You know, tenacious means persisting, persisting in existence and not easily dispelled. The love of the Father persists and it's not easily dispelled. You know, I can relate to that because I felt like at times the love of the Father was just hovering over me. And even when I would try to run away, I couldn't, give, I couldn't go far. Anyone else can relate to that, or was that just me? Some of us got a little bit further away, but that love never left. You might have experienced some things, but that love never stopped chasing after you. Some of you are here today because of that tenacious love. Lastly, I want to say about the younger son is that the enemy wants us to run away, unaware of how deeply loved we are. And as a result, we leave behind all the blessings that we legitimately yearn for. The things that the younger son was yearning for were legitimate. He wanted to experience all that life had. God has given us life to experience to the full. That's not bad. Oh, maybe some of us don't believe that. The world is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. Some of us have even maybe not knowingly taught our kids that we can't go out and experience all that God has for us. Maybe we've been afraid. Maybe we messed up. Maybe we got caught up. But the Lord wants us to experience all that he created, even in creation. Amen? You know, we know that the younger son stayed, but even though he stayed, which looked good on the surface, in some ways he hid from his father. I actually have a special compassion for the older son because it hurts to be seen. It hurts to be seen. And maybe even for some of us in here, you used to serve the Lord, but the cares of life got in the way and now you no longer do and you're afraid to talk about it. Maybe you prayed for something and the Lord didn't answer it in the way that you wanted. And now you have 
a little bit of bitterness in your heart towards him. And I know we don't admit these things in church, but I'm just going to be real. Some of us have bitterness towards God this morning. And maybe you don't have to come up here and share it, but he sees it. And the reason he's come today is to bring healing to it. You know, some of us, we were taught that we're supposed to sacrifice, right? Just work, just give of yourself, but you don't get a payoff for it. Sometimes God calls us to a season of sacrifice, but oftentimes the enemy tries to convince us that that is for a lifetime. You know, and then we become afraid to even ask for the things that we want. You know, some people are even afraid to ask for money. That was me. I was afraid to ask for money. I thought money was evil. But then I learned, I learned when I went to 1 Timothy 16, 6.10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. So I want to set some of you guys free. It's okay to ask God for money. Sometimes we act like the older brother because we're afraid to be disappointed. Maybe our natural parents disappointed us in some ways. Maybe we didn't get some of the things that we asked for. Or maybe sometimes we don't ask when we know we're asking for the wrong thing. James 4 says, 4 and 3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. The truth is that the Father has everything for us when we ask according to his will. You guys believe that? Yeah. Romans eight sixteen says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You see that end part? In his glory. God has more for us than we've experienced to this point. When we understand this, there's no room for bitterness. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in Matthew 20, it's the story of the servants who were called to work for the day. And those who worked from the beginning of the day, they were actually resentful of the ones who worked much less and received a full day's wages. The father asked them if they were upset with him because he's good. Today, I believe he asked us that question as well. Many Christians harbor bitterness against God for similar reasons, though they would never speak it directly to him. The father desires to speak to break the spirit of bitterness from our hearts. And the only way that happens is when we open ourselves up to his tenacious love. The word of the Lord to those of you who've been feeling left behind, who see other people blessed and you wonder, what about me? The word of the Lord is, my son, my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Let that word speak. Let that word sink into your heart.
my son, my son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. You know, the father longed for his sons to actually reign with him. Do you know that? You were created to reign. And I think a lot of us, we sense it, but we wonder, like, Lord, how do I do that? In actuality, the sons were already in the best place they could ever be. They were in their father's house with access to all his resources, working right alongside him. Both sons were so preoccupied with themselves and what they thought they didn't have that they missed the greatest blessing of all, their father's presence. Our father longs to be with us. Can you imagine that the creator of the universe longs to be with you? I mean, sometimes I think maybe PB, I mean, he's awesome, right? Like, he can sing, he can play, he can write books. But he longs to be with me. We're not always aware of that, right? We're usually more aware of what we are longing for, and it's not him. In Isaiah 30, 18, it says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Do you have that perspective of our Father? That he longs to be gracious to you. That he rises, he gets up to show you compassion. Do you notice something different about God's longings and ours? We are focused on things. But God is focused on his children. In 1 Corinthians 13, very familiar passage, verse 4, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, I was reading that story of the father, and as a father, I have to be honest, reading that story, I was feeling a little bit of anxiety, even though I know the end of it. Because I'm thinking, how... Could the father allow his younger son to just go away and leave with that much money? You don't give young people money. <laughs> they don't know what to do with it. They haven't lived enough, right? But the father says, here you go, son. He gave him everything. And he's, like, you don't read anywhere where he's pacing the floor like, mm. I don't know if he's going to spend it all. I don't know if I'm going to have to go come get him out of a ditch. I don't know if somebody's going to rob him. He's relaxing. He gives it to him. Even the younger son. You know how our kids, when you go to them, you say, hey, what's wrong with you? You say, oh, nothing. But you know your kids. And you know something is wrong. 
And the older son was just trying to work and try to act like everything was okay. But the father knew that something was wrong. The father knew that his heart wasn't in the right place. But unlike me, he didn't go right to the son and talk to him. He waits. He waits. And he waits for the younger son to come back. And, he, and you know what I think helped the father have that patience? I think the father had what I like to call the end game perspective. Any Marvel fans in the house? When I was thinking about this story, it reminded me of Infinity War, at the end of Infinity War, when Doctor Strange, well, bear with us, those of you who aren't Mar Marvel fans. <laughs> when Doctor Strange does something that looks like Lost in the end of the movie, and everyone is looking at him like, why would you do this? We're going to lose. Like everything we've been fighting for in all the previous movies, we're going to lose. And he says, he looks at Tony Stark and says, we're in the end game now. Because he had already seen in the future that this was the only way. And that sometimes you got to lose in the moment to win the war. And for, for many of us, our perspective is wrong. What we think is lost, in the eyes of God, is not actually lost. Sometimes that seed has to die and be buried in the ground before the tree can sprout. Any gardeners in the house? For many of us, the perplexed, the hard-pressed, the push-down, those circumstances, we would try to skip it if we could. But God knows, because he has the in-game perspective, that that's exactly what we need in order to be all he created us to be. I'm coming to the end of my time, so I just want to share one more story with you guys. In Exodus 15, the Lord is referred to as Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. And that is what he longs for the most. He longs to heal your physical body, and he longs to heal your soul. The children of Israel had an opportunity to hear the Ten Commandments straight from the voice of God, but they ran away and told Moses he could hear from God on their behalf. But in Deuteronomy 5, verse 29, it says, Oh, that their hearts will be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands, always, so that it might go well with them and their children live forever. You know, the O at the beginning of that passage, it shows how deeply the Father longs to commune with us. I used to read that passage and kind of be like, you know what? I can see why the children of Israel said that to Moses. I mean, the Old Testament, Old Testament God is scary. You read the Old Testament? That God is scary. And you see the way he revealed himself and manifested himself to them. That was scary. But as I was reading and reflecting on that story, 
I think the thing that scared them the most was being seen. Because in order to be intimate with God, I got to allow him to see everything. And this morning, if you don't remember anything else I said, I pray that you remember that your God loves every part of you. The Father loves every part of you, not just the good side. You know, sometimes when we take pictures, we just want to show the good side. Sometimes when we come to church, we just want to show the good side. But our Father is longing for every part of us. And I believe that some people are disappointed in this house today, and you don't want to say it. You're like the older son. You're still working. Maybe you serve in ministry. Maybe you serve the kids. But there's disappointment in your heart. Some of you have prayed for things for years, and you haven't seen the manifestation of it yet. And like the older son, you just keep working. You keep being faithful. And the father's saying, can you give me that? Can you come? It's okay, I already see it. He sees it. He sees all the disappointment, all the bitterness, the people that did you wrong that you still hold on to, he sees it. And he's asking, if you would give it to me, my love can heal it. And I know it's scary. I know we don't talk in church this open and this honest. But our father is an intimate father. He wants to know you. And he already knows you. He's just waiting for you to come to him. So if that's you in any way, I want you in your heart to respond to the love of your father. Just you and God, nobody looking around. It's just between you and him. This is an intimate thing. This is a personal thing. He loves you. I know God came for the world and gave himself for the world, but he loves you. That thing that you're afraid to talk to him about, he's longing for you to do it. He's longing for you to come to him. That relationship that you're so torn about, he's saying, can you bring it to me? That sickness that just won't go away, he's saying, can you give it to me? That disappointment that happened years ago, and you try to bury it, and you try to act like it's not even there. He's saying, can you give it to me? He said, I already know. I know that that person hurt you. And maybe they were a believer. Maybe they were even a leader. He's saying, can you bring that to me too? This is between you and God. His love is coming after you. I told you, you can't run. You can't hide. His love is coming after us this morning. But thankfully, his love heals. His love feels. His love restores. His love makes new. Amen. Mm. Why don't we all stand to our feet?
There's something so powerful and healing about worship. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and sing that song again. And if you feel the need to, this altar is open. Feel free to come and you can meet with your father. Amen. God bless you.